Some may think that this is the end of the retreat, but it's not the end of the retreat. It's important that you keep taking notes, huh? Take notes, take notes. I'm going to take advantage right now to tie up some loose ends. There have been a few questions and a few things that we haven't talked about. First part, someone asked me a question. Are there really two judgments? Do we have two judgments? Yes, we'll be judged twice, but it's going to be the same. It's not going to change. Particular judgment, and then the final judgment. So there are two judgments, but our judgment's not going to change. Right, that's just one thing that I had just kind of floating out there I forgot to respond to yesterday. Another thing that's important to kind of close the topic is the rules for the discernments of spirits, because we've spoken about several things about how the devil works and how the God works in our souls, consolation, desolation, why we become <coughs> desolate, what we're supposed to do. But St. Ignatius gives, there's three numbers, the last three paragraphs of his rules for the discernment of spirits, explains exactly how the devil works against us. And we're just going to go over this really quick before I enter into the homily. Okay? This is not the homily. I can do this because we're on retreat. <laughs> the twelfth number says that the enemy, the devil, conducts, him, conducts himself as a woman. I don't say it, it's him. Huh? <laughs> says that he is a weakling before a show of strength and a tyrant if he has his will. Characteristic of a woman in quarrel with a man to lose courage and to take flight if the man shows that he is determined and fearless. However, if the man loses courage and begins to flee, the anger, vindictiveness, and rage of the woman surge up and know no bounds. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this is serious stuff here. What's the point? The devil tries to scare us, but when we, you know, plant our feet in the ground and push back, the devil flees. But when we cede to his attacks, then his rage is unbeatable. So I think the important thing with, when we're fighting with temptation is that we be courageous. Don't let fear overcome us. But face it head on with the strength that God gives to us. The second pointer is that our enemy may also be com compared in this manner of acting to a false lover. He seeks to remain hidden and does not want to be discovered. If such a lover speaks with evil intention to the daughter of a good father or to the wife of a good husband and seeks to seduce them, he wants his words and solicitations kept secret. Why is that? Because as soon as the good father or the good husband finds out, comes at him with a baseball bat or something like that, you know? He breaks his teeth. It's the same way in the spiritual life. The devil always wants us to deal with things alone. Don't tell anyone. They're not going to understand. Aren't you embarrassed to say that? Anything to keep us from speaking with someone else. Above all, if you go to confession, or you speak with a spiritual director, someone who has spiritual experience, just the fact that you say it out loud, the devil loses all of his power. Because he knows that he's not going to get away with what he's trying to do. So it's important not to... St. John the Cross says that he who is his own spiritual director lets himself be guided by a donkey. <laughs> to say it in a nice way. <laughs> so it's important that 
we have someone to help us be accountable in the spiritual life that's not myself, a spiritual director, or someone who hears our confession. As we know, it's not the same thing, but usually priests have some spiritual know-how and they can be helpful in that sense. And the last rule that he puts is that the conduct of our enemy may also be compared to the tactics of a leader, like a general, intent upon seizing and plundering a position he desires. And imagine St. Ignatius writes in the time of knights and dames and castles. The commander and leader of an army will encamp, explore the fortification defenses of the stronghold, and attack at the weakest point. In the same way, the enemy of our human nature investigates from every side all our virtues, theological, cardinal, and moral. And where he finds the defenses of eternal salvation weakest and most efficient, there he attacks. So it's important when we make an examination of conscience that we understand where our weakness is. We like to, we like to be strong. We always want to be strong. But the devil knows that we have weaknesses. So even though we've got like all of our tanks and bazookas and guys with swords and arrows and stuff at like the front gate, if we leave the back gate open, he's going to come in through there. And he's going to wipe us out from within. So we have to fortify what is our weakest point. No, it's, I'm really charitable. I'm really generous. Yeah, but you're really proud too. And that's where the devil's going to get you. You have to work on your pride or on your gluttony or on your lust or on your greed or on any of those seven capital sins that you are most weak. But these are just little pointers that St. Ignatius gives us to let us know how the devil works. Uh, that said, we're going to go on to the homily. Which I'm going to try and keep brief because we don't have that much time. The spiritual exercises or the retreat that we've just lived, even though it concludes in a certain way with mass and lunch, uh, the idea is that it doesn't conclude in our life. The conclusion of the retreat is nothing more than a preface for the rest of the year that we have to live until we go on another retreat. You get it? That's pretty good. I thought that up. You know, <laughs> this isn't the end of our spiritual life. This is a beginning for now. The Lord has given us light to see what we need to do, what we need to live, how we need to live, what virtues we need to practice. So we can't be fooled by the devil to think that, well, that's it. You're back to normality. No, no. This is normal. Union with Christ is the normal thing. The scriptures today said that those who don't work shouldn't eat. And then later Jesus says, by your perseverance, you will save your souls. So my message basically is this. Get to work. Get to work. You have to get to work. There's so few people in, in the church, I'm not going to say in society, in the Catholic church, that do not take the process of their sanctification seriously. They're not worried about being holy. They're not worried about practicing virtues. They're not worried about evangelizing. But those who don't work should need. God cannot bless those who do not seek Christian perfection. Which we understand Christian perfection doesn't have to be with 
it doesn't have to do with being perfect in, in any way, more than in letting God do his work in us, becoming small and humble and poor and dependent upon God's grace to love and become vulnerable for love of him. Everything that we've, that we've heard and contemplated, this is Christian perfection. And this is what we need to do. Gaudium et spes, which is a document from the Magisterium, the Second Vatican Council, says that our hope of eternal life doesn't mean that we neglect the, the human reality. On the contrary, because we have such a hope of the coming of God's kingdom, we work with all of our strength to install that kingdom now here on the earth. Because every time that there is an increase of divine charity in our souls and in our society, God's kingdom comes. You know, thy kingdom come, the prayer that we hear lots of times, that happens now. We're not desiring, yeah, it's true. I want the world to end so that I can be in heaven. But I want your kingdom to be now too. And that's our task. You have to take your your job, your true job, becoming holy, seriously. Remember that. Recently in Spain we had a visit from Father Rodrigo Miranda, who's an Argentinian priest of the Institute of the Incarnate Word. IDE. That's what they say here. Um, he lives in Syria now, I think. He's been in the Middle East for a long time. And he talked about what it's like to be a Christian there. The Christian is to be a minority. Now, we get upset that there's not many Christians who live their faith here in the United States. But the fact is that many people claim to be Christian. Many people go to church on Sundays, even though they're not seeking holiness. You know, they're not going to cut your head off if you do, if you do go to church. There, you are a minority. In Holy Land, for example, the Christians don't reach 1% of the population. Holy Land. Syria, similar. It's a Muslim majority in many of the countries there. And he was explaining to us what it's like living there. Uh, what it's like to be persecuted, to be in danger your, your parishioners are in danger of death, what it's like to have to take down the crucified bodies of your parishioners from the street when they've been murdered by Muslim extremists. And it was very, very moving, his testimony. And some of the young people that were speaking with him asked, and what do they think of us? He said, do you want me to be honest with you? Yeah. If you think you're a bunch, you're a bunch of mediocre Christians, mediocre, lukewarm, you're weak sauce. You're all weak. And it's almost embarrassing to see how you live your Christian life. And that touched, struck a chord in the hearts of some of the young people. If we don't seek to be holy, we'll never change anything of what's going on in the world. We can complain a lot about how things are going, and things are going very bad in the world. But God is still the God of history. And the one thing that you can change is your life. 
Maybe the problem with the world is that you're not holy, and I'm not holy. If we were holy as we ought to be, then things would be going better, because Jesus Christ would be more present in the world. But we're still very selfish. I say this now at the end of the retreat, knowing that at least some of you, if not many of you, are members of the home of the mother. You have commitments to pray and to practice the virtues. Those people say, ah, you know, I like going to the home of the mother, but you know, all that commitment stuff. It's like, all right, well, if you don't live commitments, then you have to be part of the home of the mother. But if you're gonna be in the home of the mother, be in the home of the mother and be faithful to your commitments because that's your path of sanctity. And those of who aren't in the home of the mother, you have to have some sort of commitment. You need a prayer life. Like I said in the beginning, we didn't come here just to listen to beautiful meditations and things. We came because we want to change our lives. We want to be Jesus Christ in the midst of the world. We want Jesus to live within us. So it's important that we take seriously the things that God asks, asks of us. Acts of us. Father Raphael, our founder, by the way, he's coming to visit for the Thanksgiving weekend. He never comes to the United States. Oh, I'm not gonna go back to the United States. Why do I gotta go back to the United States? They always, treat, they always give me a hard time when I'm trying to enter through customs. And you guys go to the United States. You guys are from there, go to the United States. But he's coming, so you have to get advantage that he's coming. But he gets angry. I just recently listened to a homily. I like to listen to his homilies. Uh, he got angry because he's like, you're always like, oh, how great things are when we're on retreat, you know? How great things are, and then not, we have to go back to, to normal life, and we get sad, and, uh, and he gets angry because, it's like, that isn't normal. This is normal. That's not normal. This is normal. We have to be sincere. Jesus wants to live in our lives in day to day. It's true, it's, there's more temptations present. It's a lot easier when you're all together, when you're in silence. But you can make time for silence. Noise isn't the, the king of this world. Or he's the king of this world, but he's not the king of your life. Jesus is the king of your life. So you need to make time to be with him and let him sanctify your soul. And at the same time, if we don't do that, we're not good to the church. We do no good to the church. Father Felix, when he was here, last time he was here for Holy Week, they told me I wasn't there, but it was just before, before Sister Claire died. And he said, the home of the mother needs to give saints to the church. We'll fulfill our vocation when the home of the mother begins to give saints to the church. And a few days later, Sister Claire died and it was kind of a prophetic message. But the message continues to be the same. John Paul II said, You were not made for comfort, you were made for greatness. And that's what we want to achieve. That's what we ask the Lord. So this homily today, instead of being, I mean, besides the, the rules for discernment, there's nothing dogmatic or doctrinal that I want to transmit to you. Just an exhortation to take seriously the task of becoming holy. <coughs> putting into practice everything that the Lord has spoken to our hearts and asked of us on this weekend, knowing that He's going to be the one doing the work. But if I don't, you know, give my 
I had five loaves and two fish. He's not going to be able to multiply anything. He needs something. Say, give me something. We have no food. Give me something. What do you got? I'll take whatever you got. But you got to give me something. This is what I got, Lord. Five loaves, two fish. And let him do the miracles. Well, we ask for his blessing in his Eucharist. We ask for the blessing of our Blessed Mother, who never leaves us, who's very present with us always, especially in a home. You know, we belong to her. We're the home of the mother. People always ask, what mother? The mother of God. <laughs> of course. So we need to trust, especially, that her intercession, her presence in our lives will make turn into reality everything that we desire, everything that the Lord desires for us. Amen.